The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Monday, the 19th of June in London. Coming up today... The best of frenemies. Blinken becomes the most senior US official to visit China in five years. Restoring order. The FCA is said to restrict OD asset management transactions. Get ready to feel the squeeze. Bets on UK rates edge towards 6%. AstraZeneca's China spin-off and BT cuts its pension investments in the UK. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, swinging the axe, the UBS CEO hints at a massive downsizing of Credit Suisse's investment banking business. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has met China's top foreign policy official in Beijing in a positive start to his two-day trip. He's the most senior U.S. official to visit the country in five years. Nathan Mabubi, a China specialist at the University of Pennsylvania, says the trip seems to be going well. The meeting you know, lasted much longer than I think people thought. I think both of the readouts had very positive language. Uh, some of the follow-on things that are happening today and perhaps even a meeting with uh, President Xi Jinping all seem to be on track in a very nice way. Uh, and the language in each of the readouts had lots of phrases you know, on the Chinese side, stable, constructive, predictable relationship that uh, signal that this was this was quite a quite a productive meeting again against the backdrop of terrible relations of late and very low expectations for what the meeting could have accomplished uh, going into it. That's Nathan Mabubi speaking to us. Blinken's previous attempt to visit China in February was scrapped when the U.S. revealed an alleged Chinese spy balloon was floating over the United States. Goldman Sachs is the latest bank, though, to cut its forecasts for Chinese economic growth this year. Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Goldman lowered its estimates for GDP from 6% down to 5.4%. And perhaps to make matters worse, it sees limited options to boost stimulus. It says any easing is unlikely to exceed those in previous downturns like 2020. A report says property and infrastructure stimulus will probably be targeted and moderate, and that going down the same old road is not consistent with the high-quality growth the leadership wants. Why not do more? Well, Goldman sees some options constrained by economic and political considerations. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. 
The UK's Financial Conduct Authority is reported to have imposed restrictions on the movement of cash and assets by OD Asset Management. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has more on the recent turmoil. OD Asset Management plunged into turmoil early this month after allegations of sexual harassment by founder Crispin Odie, which he denies. Now the FT reports that the UK's financial regulator is attempting to restore order after the departure of Odie by imposing restrictions on the movements of cash and assets. The paper says Odie Wealth Management, an associate firm, has also agreed to the guidelines, which could be published later today. Among the restrictions, the FCA will require pre-approval for transactions above a certain level. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Politically, here in the UK, the House of Commons will vote today on a report which found Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister, lied to MPs over Partygate. The vote threatens to fuel divisions within the Conservative Party in what's likely to be an uncomfortable week for the Prime Minister. On Thursday, the Bank of England is also set to heap further pain on borrowers by raising interest rates again. The bank's former Deputy Governor, Charlie Bean, says that they will need to head higher. I think rates will certainly go higher from where they are, reflecting these uh, bad uh, inflation and pay and labour market numbers that we've had over the past month. How much higher they have to go is open. Uh, Obviously, the markets uh, are expecting significantly higher rates. The Bank of England's former Deputy Governor there speaking as markets are pricing in a peak rate for the UK of over 5.75% next year. That would be a level not seen in 16 years. Credit Suisse may be due for a, quote, massive downsizing of its investment banking business after its takeover by UBS. UBS CEO Sergio Armati has been hinting at massive cuts to Credit Suisse in an opinion piece uh, published on Saturday in a Swiss newspaper. He also said that UBS had simplified its structure and that a prudent corporate culture is at the core of everything they do. The fusion of the two financial giants is underway after the takeover was formally closed last week. Okay, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. Worth reflecting, though, on what a very difficult week this may well be politically, economically for the UK. So the Bank of England is expected to lift interest rates from 4.5% to 4.75%. Doesn't entirely rule out the possibility even of a 50 basis point rate rise. It would certainly be the 13th rate increase in Britain in a row. We've also got the UK CPI data but politically, the prime minister is absolutely you know, wedged into this problem where you have alarm bells ringing, Stephen, about the housing market, about borrowers and mortgages. And yet also you have the former prime minister, Boris Johnson, uh, and what he did during um, the pandemic and the lockdown parties that were held really looming large over the Conservatives. Yeah, I mean, look, the inflation figure is expected to show a slowdown, but nowhere near where any Prime Minister would want to be seeing inflation at this stage, uh, considering how high it's been for now so long. And the question in an electoral cycle sense is when people are going to feel the pain of those interest rate increases the most, because people coming off fixed rate mortgages in the next year, if they're paying significantly more now, Are they going to be blaming the government for that, especially if inflation is still so high? On the housing market, we've new figures from Rightmove today showing uh, that house prices in London are sliding at the largest uh, amount per region in the UK. So down 1.6% month on month, according to Rightmove. And nationally, prices broadly unchanged, um, but the big drops in housing prices in London, including in places like Camden and Westminster, where, you know, some of the most expensive places in London to live. Yeah, absolutely. Any seasonal rebound could well be pretty 
short-lived if rates continue to rise in the, in the way that uh, we were talking about. Right. So that's the sort of big thought, as it were, for the UK, I think, at the start of this week. Uh, but then we also have to look at the markets right now. Chinese stocks are sliding this morning after the state council fell short of announcing further policy measures to support the economy. This is Goldman Sachs cut its growth forecast for the Chinese economy to 5.6% this year. You were hearing that just earlier in our roundup of top stories. Joining us now is Bloomberg's markets reporter Valerie Titel to discuss. Hi Valerie, good morning. Um, talk us through then what is driving the sell-off in China because stocks were actually doing pretty well at the end of last week. Yeah, they had a actually fantastic week just on these expectations of some sort of stimulus to come from China, but all the market is reading this morning is just disappointment. There was really a lack of concrete details from that state council meeting that you mentioned. Just on what policy support exactly is in the pipeline, it's leaving the market with a big question mark at the moment. They did call for more forceful policies to support the economy, but they didn't tell us a timeline. They didn't give us any details. They just said the new studies or the, the new measures are being studied and they will be adopted in a timely manner. But but all the markets are reading from that is we just got our hopes up so big last week. We're just disappointed. The equity market has retraced nearly 1%. The yuan continues to weaken. And then if we look at the oil markets, the crude markets are falling out of bed this morning. Uh, Brent is down 1.4%. All of this back to this story of just what is the China policy support going to look like and is it going to meet our expectations? And in the midst of all this, we've had Goldman Sachs take this move to cut its growth forecast for China. How significant is that? It's a big cut. 5.4% from 6%, and they're not the only bank out on the street to do so. They um, are cutting it based on limited options to boost stimulus. So they're essentially saying that this isn't going to be some fiscal bonanza we're going to get from China. They're not going to support the property market like they did uh, previously. Instead, it's going to be targeted and moderate in size. That's not really what the, what the market at the moment wants. Um, but all of this going back to the fact that the, the, the hopes of this China reopening, this stimulus boost, this possible even global boost to growth from the China reopening has fizzled so quickly. And now we are sitting and waiting uh, for more easing to come out of China. OK, so that on China. Also, Valerie, I'm interested to understand your perspective on central banks this week. Of course, we've got Jerome Powell testifying, but then I mentioned the Bank of England rate decision on Thursday. Great deal of focus on that here. Huge focus on the Bank of England, especially as we get the CPI report the day before. And if I look at what the markets are pricing for uh, Thursday's Bank of England decision, it's over 25 basis points right now. Mm. The markets are pricing in 30 basis points. The risk at the moment is we get a hot CPI print, especially in the core CPI, which we know in the UK has yet to peak. And it's really one of the only major economies who have really not seen inflation uh, tick down in the sticky components yet. If we get a hot CPI print, the risk is, is that the Bank of England could have to do 50 basis points on, on Thursday. The markets are not yet pricing that, but, but we could shift to that if the CPI print does disappoint on the, on the hot side. What about Jerome Powell and his testimony he's set to deliver to Congress this week? What are the key questions he'll be facing? The key thing for this, this is the Humphrey Hopkins uh, testimony. He does this twice in front of Congress every year. He'll release a statement 
before his initial um, uh, initial uh, before he initially testifies mm-hmm. in front of the House on Wednesday. And normally he uses that statement to finesse uh, a, a message to the market. So we'll be laser focused on what that um, statement uh, is and when it's released as he sits down in, in front of the House at 3 p.m. UK time on Wednesday. A lot of questions were raised last week based on this uh, communication at the last meeting where uh, they told us they were in a hiking bias. They communicated that by saying we intend to hike twice more this year, but they didn't necessarily follow it up with any hawkish language, leaving the market a bit confused on what to think here. We are pricing in one more hike from the Fed uh, to get us to five and a half, but the market isn't necessarily reading that we'd get to five and three quarters Fed funds by the end of the year. Perhaps a hawkish message uh, from Powell on Wednesday could, could get the market to do that. Okay, Valerie, very interesting. Thank you so much for being with us. Bloomberg's Markets reporter, Valerie Titel. Up next, AstraZeneca's China spin-off and BT cuts its pension investments in the UK. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans is with us this morning to take us through those stories in the newspapers. Morning to you, Leanne. Let's start in the Financial Times. Its headline, AstraZeneca drafts plan to spin off China business amid tensions. Yes, Stephen, good morning to you. So exactly what you've basically said. The pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca has drawn up these plans to spin off its business in China and possibly list in Hong Kong. And this is all according to the Financial Times and listing a separate unit in either Hong Kong or Shanghai, what the plan is, is it could insulate the company politically from moves by China to really crack down on foreign companies, which we have seen and which is raising concerns, not just with AstraZeneca, but with other companies invested in China. Now, the drug maker began these discussions on the idea with bankers several months ago. And this is according to the FT, really, as those geopolitical tensions grow. And as you mentioned earlier, we've got US and um, Chinese ambassadors meeting at the moment. AstraZeneca is the largest overseas pharmaceutical company in China by sales. We must remember this, generating $1.6 billion in the country in the first quarter. So splitting things may be difficult or 
or spinning things off. So what they've said is a separation might not ultimately take place. And this is what people are cautioning because there's big money in pharmaceuticals in China, definitely with an ageing population. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, would it be a listing in Hong Kong or Shanghai? Uh, yeah, lots of question marks about that, but very interesting story. The Telegraph now, Leanne, BT's £39 billion pension fund cuts UK investments in blow to Hunt's Big Bang 2.0 ambitions. A lot packed into that headline. There's a lot packed into that headline, Caroline, and we're just going to try to dissect it now. But you were speaking earlier about, you know, really what the government's facing at the moment, the Tory government. Things are not easy. But now we're hearing that BT's position is the latest setback for Jeremy Hunt's plans to unlock a new wave of growth in British stocks. The company's £39 billion pension fund has cut back its exposure of London-listed stocks to just £100 million. And this is all according to new figures. So a significant drop. Now, a spokesman said the BT pension scheme was reducing its exposure to equities. And this is really all part of a de-risking strategy for the company. And BT's overseas equities have also suffered massive losses, according to this write-up in The Telegraph, tumbling 75%. So things difficult. BT's pension fund suffered an estimated £11 billion drop in value of its assets. And the newspaper says this was as a result of Liz Truss's mini-budget, which really triggered margin calls on products called LDI. Do you remember how many we spoke about liability-driven investments at the time when that mini-budget happened, which are popular with pension funds? So there we are, the struggle for BT, but also the struggle for British stocks. Okay. Uh, yeah, really interesting story to follow, given everything we were hearing uh, about that story over the past couple of weeks. Leanne, let's go to the Times next, uh, which is talking about UK plans for regulating AI being best in class, according to the boss of Google. Some good news to end on here. Yes. So in a boost for Britain's international reputation, the new managing director of Google in the UK and also Ireland has called the government's approach the best in class to AI and putting guardrails in. Haven't we been talking about this nonstop over the last few months? Now, in her first interview since taking the job, which was in March, Debbie Weinstein said that the AI white papers that the UK government have published so far were, quote, a great global standard for an approach that we can think will really work. Remember, it was London Tech Week last week. Rishi Sunak, you know, he said Britain could be the global home of AI regulation, really setting them up for that. Google has also this massive footprint in the UK with almost 7,000 employees. But remember, legislators are going to have to move fast because the European Union is moving closer to passing one of the world's first laws, mm. which is regulating AI. So there we are. But really positive news actually coming out of the AI world if we listen to Debbie Weinstein. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.